0: innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Today's show is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Oh, like because when I shot it, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of mess. So. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 886 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, February the 16th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at On Raptors. Where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have so much stuff for you to check out. And if you are in Southern Ontario, you are inside snowed in today. So why not use the day to go and uh, listen in to some Locked On shows, whether it's this one, whether it's Locked On Leafs, it could be one of the Locked On NBA shows covering one of the teams in the news, it does not matter. All of the shows are great, and we highly, highly recommend you check them out, and we very much appreciate all your support. Okay, on today's show, I am joined by our pal Kane Pittman from Locked On Bucks for a little crossover action as we look ahead to the Bucks and Raptors back-to-back against one another on Tuesday and Thursday Pretty big games for the Raptors as they look to w- wash off the stink of the Wolves loss and also hopefully not lose too much touch in the race for the Eastern Conference playoff spots outside of the play-in tournament because the play-in sounds terrible. Uh, so that's what we get into today. We talk about what the Bucks have been up to, how the changes that they've been making have translated, why their record is but compared to what their record should be based on their net rating. And like 16 and 11, boy, I would give anything for 16 and 11 right now. But they have certainly struggled. They just lost to the Thunder the same night that the Raptors lost to the Wolves. So that was fun. We talked about the Raptors and Pascal Siakam and Aaron Baines, (laughs) Kane's countrymen, of course. Uh, The Aussie, our pal, really, really just baffled by Aaron Baines not playing well. We got into that. And we also looked at some fun matchups in the Raptors Bucks two game series that should be pretty fun no drew holiday it seems looks like no og and Obi that creates some interesting things to keep an eye on and we talked about that so without further ado let's get to it myself kane pittman from locked on bucks breaking down the raptors uh and bucks back to back against one another tonight uh and on thursday all right, hey, it's Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors here with the host of Locked On Bucks, Kane Pittman, to tee up a uh, big back-to-back between the Raptors and Bucks Thursday, Tuesday, and Thursday this week. Kane, how's it going, man?
1: I'm doing well. I'm glad we could find some time to do this. I, I do want to say, I do want to be clear. We were going to do a post-game earlier in the season and very late in the game. It was my fault I pulled out but I did make it clear to you that the Bucks were winning that game so I can't be you know I can't be accused of trying to dodge you uh, after a, t- a tough box raptors games but i i think these games are always <laughs> fun we've done these podcasts before i'm looking forward to this
0: i am too man it's uh i'm glad we could finally connect on it it's difficult you're like 19 hours in the future it's uh <laughs> it's a little difficult to line up but glad we could um i, I want to ask you a few things about the bucks you can fire raptor stuff at me anytime this will be free throw free flowing back and forth as they tend to be but so the bucks are good again duh they have a record that maybe doesn't quite match their point differential. The number two in net rating right now at 8.3 per 100 possessions. Uh, they're only a 16 and 11. Some weird losses. They were part of the group of. You know, presumably, pretty good Eastern Conference teams who lost to very bad teams uh, <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, in the the Thunder beating the Bucks, you had the Wizards beating the Celtics, and of course, the Wolves beating the Raptors. The Raptors, I think, are, are punching below the weight of the Celtics and Bucks this year, even though their numbers suggest they shouldn't be. Either way, uh, I am I mean, the Bucs are endlessly fascinating because it almost feels like the regular season never matters with them anymore because, you know, they they seem to have gotten the regular season thing figured out. My question to you, Kane, is has there been anything that the Bucs are doing? I know they've kind of changed their defense a little bit here and there, experimenting with some new things. Uh, obviously, Drew Holiday's in the mix now. Are the Bucs doing anything this year that, is at least giving Bucks fans some hope that things might be different come postseason time, even if it's kind of a noble until we get to the spring or the summer or whatever the hell the playoffs are happening. Right. Well, I think that they are doing things that should be
1: providing Optimism for Bucs fans in regards to the fact you know this as well as anyone, Sean. Bud, let's say this, Bud has not been known for a a coach that is going to adjust or try different things. And that's why the Bucs have been so consistent over the last couple of regular seasons. That hasn't been the case this year. But unfortunately, as the whole league is finding out and probably no team more than the Raptors who have literally had to shift their whole damn franchise to another country, this is not the season to really be able to make wholesale adjustments and reap the rewards straight away. And mm. the Bucks are finding those struggles right now, particularly defensively. They don't really have an identity on that end of the floor right now. They're ranked 13th for efficiency defensively. We know they were by far and away the number one team in the last two regular seasons. So they're in a little bit of a weird patch right now. And obviously, as you mentioned, losing to the Thunder, that was game six of a road trip that lasted nearly two weeks, five different cities. And again, this is just such a weird regular season for mine where I feel like I'm seeing things that makes me optimistic that the Bucks are going to be better prepared for the postseason. But right now, you're going through some serious growing pains and teething problems trying to figure this out because – the other factor that I think gets overlooked a lot is these teams just aren't practicing and that's a mm-hmm. league-wide thing. So trying to implement new schemes and new adjustments and really just new sets entirely for a roster that also had significant changeover, it's just not going as smoothly, I think, as some Bucks fans would hope.
0: So you mentioned the changeover, uh, you know, I, I talked talked about Drew Holiday a little bit, but you know, the whole bench is basically new now. You got Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine and some other dudes, uh, none of whom I was particularly enthused about as just sort of dudes to fit on a team that has designs on going deep. Um, but again, I have, you know, there's a baked in anti-Bucks bias. I got to you know, admit <laughs> to that. All these signings were happening before Giannis had signed the Supermax and we were in, in Raptors land. We're still thinking, oh, DJ. Augustine that's never going to convince Giannis to stay uh, clearly that didn't matter but uh, <laughs> I'm curious like how are the new additions faring I, I know Drew Holiday is kind of like He's kind of being talked about as the dude who's the most egregious snub on all-star snub lists. Like he's just he's like on the fringe to the point that he's not even making the snub list, but he's kind of in the outskirts of that conversation. uh, And he's looking quite good. Obviously, Bobby Portis, I think, has been quite a surprise with the way he's played. Um, But how are the new additions fitting in? And do you view this team as having more than like five guys come postseason time that you can really trust?
1: Well, again, that's that's a big question, right? because I think when these guys were signed and the Bucs came out and said it, we got the chance to speak to Bucks GM John Horst and he said, listen, we know we need more shooting. We need offensive players that are going to translate to the postseason because we know the Bucs have had their struggles defensively, particularly defending the three-point line, but their half-court offense and being able to generate points in the postseason has been a big problem outside of Giannis and Chris Middleton. So I think bringing in Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes and some of the other players that you mentioned certainly has boosted the offense and they've been number one basically all season long in offensive efficiency despite the fact that Giannis has actually looked a little bit uncomfortable at stages trying to find his place with all these new players and adding another aggressive ball handler like Drew Holiday that is going to have the ball. So Chris Middleton and Giannis have actually seen their usage go down this year. So it's been a kind of interesting adjustment for all these players and trying to make these pieces work. I think offensively, the Bucs are are going to be in a better place to score in the postseason, which ultimately we see it time and time again. You need guys that can get you buckets in the half court in the postseason. I think the Mm -hmm. Bucs are going to be in a better spot to do that, even just with Drew Holiday alone. But defensively, again, I mean, you got a bunch of guys that historically aren't known as good defenders. Let's be honest, Bobby Portis and 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 right now, uh, let's just cut to the chase. They're having major problems at the guard position, and Drew Holiday is out right now mm-hmm. uh, due to health and safety protocols. So the Bucks have been starting Bryn Forbes and Dante Divincenzo, which is a small backcourt. And I know the Raptors fans know all about having a small backcourt, and that doesn't necessarily limit you to be a team that can't defend. But Bryn Forbes, not known as a defender. And then you're bringing DJ Augustine off the bench, who is a significant downgrade on that end of the floor from George Hill, who was really the Bucks' safety blanket the last few years. So the huge question marks remain on this team defensively. And we know, even though with all those moves that they made, they are hard caps. They have literally no room to move up against that hard cap. So there's not too many roster moves they're going to be able to make either. So they're kind of going to be writing this out. And I think that's where the anxiety comes if you're a Bucks fan defensively. Is this team going to have, as you pointed to, Sean, more than four players that you can comfortably put on the floor in a playoff matchup? And that's a big question mark.
0: Yeah, I, uh, that, that's a fascinating one. I, the offense, that's the thing is, right, I, I do kind of agree that I think for some reason it seems like the defense has been the bigger focus of sort of like normies, I guess. <laughs> and like, oh, the defense fails in yeah. the postseason. They can't stop Kawhi or whatever. But it's like, no, no, no. Like, it's mostly that their defense, their offense gets into the half court and the wall works against Giannis and you can't really trust what's going on around him in terms of Giannis like you mentioned it's been a little bit of an adjustment period I know he's been screening a lot more often which I think is sort of a thing a lot of people have wanted to see even if it kind of in your brain sounds weird to take the ball out of the hands of the two-time reigning MVP it seems kind of like it would make a lot of sense if you have ball handlers like Holiday and Middleton to run stuff with Giannis as the screener it feels just about unguardable to me has Giannis You know, how has it gone? You know, like you said, it's been a little bit of a weird adjustment, but in terms of sort of what you've seen and how it can kind of maybe scale up towards the playoffs, like is that giving you some hope that maybe the offense will have a little bit more in terms of tricks they can pull out mostly through Giannis as a screener as opposed to just having him be the hammer and the entire defense being the nail and, you know, having that kind of go over and over the way it did in years past? Yeah, I think there's two phases to it. And the first part,
1: as you pointed to, is using Giannis off ball a little bit more. And I think the best example we've seen of this was in the game against Brooklyn, who we know, let's be honest, you're going to be able to score against, but the Bucks repeatedly used Giannis as a screener. DeAndre Jordan was dropping back. They were trying to drop guys back into the paint. So they said, okay, well, we're just going to use Giannis uh as, as the screener, he's going to hand off to Chris Milton repeatedly, and he's just going to knock down open jump shots. And really, I mean, that's a diet that you can feast on in the postseason. If that's the way teams are going to defend, it just makes more sense than giving Giannis the ball at the top of the key and saying, all right, go figure it out, man. The, the Chris, Chris <laughs> Milton's going to be there. But otherwise, you just charge through these guys and try and score. So the second part of it has been that Giannis has been more patient. You know this. Raptors fans know this. We Bucks fans know this. We've seen Giannis repeatedly pick up offensive fouls, get called for charges. That over the last two or three weeks in particular has really, really dramatically reduced because he has become more patient. He's getting the ball deeper in within the perimeter and he's becoming a passer and a facilitator because I think that he's finding more trust in the shooters around him as well. Not only is it Middleton and Holiday, but then you've got Brook Lopez, as we pointed to, Dante DiVincenzo and Bryn Forbes are both shooting the three at a a really high percentage as well. So I just think there's more weapons around. I think Giannis is coming to terms with the fact that maybe it doesn't always have to start with him, but this can actually help him be an efficient scorer as well. Because the funny thing is, I mean, as much as we talk about Giannis finding his way this season and just working his way into it, He's averaging 28 damn points a game, 11 rebounds, <laughs> and six assists. I mean, come on. And his field goal percentage is 56%. I think in the restricted area, he's at 75%. So this is Giannis. This is what the, the wider NBA community says is a down year for Giannis. It's pretty absurd.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that'll work as a down year for anybody. <laughs> I would take that for uh, anybody on the Raptors. That's for damn sure. We have more in our chat with Kane about the Raptors and Bucks matchup in just one second. We're going to talk about the Raptors side of things. But first, I want to tell you about RockAuto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and save yourself some money because RockAuto is all about not gouging you the way a mechanic will try to when you go and you're like, I don't know what this is supposed to cost. Sure, I'll pay all the money that you need me to pay. That's silly. Go to Rock. RockAuto.com. Instead, they have everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, prices and that you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or, car or truck right locked on in there. how did you hear about us box to know that we sent you as well amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts for your car that you will ever need at rockauto.com the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA,
1: available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Uh, I feel like I've been uh, running the flow of the conversation. What do you got for me on the Raptors, man? Fire away.
1: Well, the Raptors for mine have been really interesting and obviously I've got a little bit of loyalty to uh, my guy Aaron Baines here who I actually (laughs) thought and and, well, that's the reaction I expected and it's honestly shocking to me and clearly he had a bit of a a difficult run through the bubble with Phoenix with obviously a a serious bout with COVID and then some other injury issues. He's always banged up just the, Mm -hmm. the way that he plays physically but Given where it was in the off season, and obviously you guys would have loved to have kept the other two big fellows in there, but Aaron Baines honestly looked like a fantastic fit. I thought he was going to be a terrific addition, and now we've started to see Nick Nurse try different lineups. Obviously, the Alex Len experiment didn't work. Now there's trade rumors. Oh, is this lineup settled? I mean, what are you guys seeing? Because every time I watch the Raptors, I feel like I'm seeing a different bunch of guys out there.
0: Yeah, uh, well, like in terms of Baines, oof, it's just been he hasn't picked up the defense whatsoever. There's a clip. Yeah. If you go to William Lou, friend of the show, uh, friend of Lockdown Raptors, I don't know what his relationship with Lockdown Bucks is, but either way, if you go to William Lou's Twitter account, uh, he posted a clip today of Aaron Baines guarding a crunch time last night against the Wolves. Uh, and it was embarrassing. They were switching Fred Van Vliet onto Carl Anthony Towns to avoid the mismatch of Baines on Towns. And then Baines was kind of just like doing jumping jacks in Ricky Rubio's face trying to get him to stop taking a three and then he just banged one in his face um it was really really rough and it kind of I think speaks to what the issue has been with Baines all along this year you know the games where he looks good it all kind of falls into place he's a backline rim protector he's doing the verticality thing it's great there have been like maybe five games where that's been the case with him otherwise he just looks completely discombobulated in the defense and the offense has been brutal. He's missing everything. I believe he has the 7th lowest percentage uh in the restricted area of all big men in the league right now. Uh he, like he's just bricking stuff off the top of the backboard, not even touching rim. He the three-point shot, I mean, I, it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen and he doesn't he never seems to know where his feet are <laughs> and it's been really brutal. And so because they've gotten such poor center play, They've had to kind of change things up closing in games and it's going to be difficult to really get to the best lineups against the Bucks in, in at least the first half of their back to back because OG and doubtful to return. It's a bummer. It seemed like he was on track to return either Thursday or Sunday. Maybe there's been a setback. I'm not sure, but he's doubtful as of time of recording on Monday night and without OG. You know The easy lineup for them to go to, typically when he's available, is they just go small. They play OG as the nominal five, Norm Palace slots in, they play the two guards and Pascal Siakam, and it usually works quite well, but they don't have that option right now without OG. And so you're like, okay, I guess we'll try Baines in crunch time. Oh, that's not working. I guess we'll try Chris Boucher. Oh, he's getting beaten up by a dude who's bigger than him. Okay, uh, I guess we go DeAndre Bembry and go small. Like, it's just they can't get to their best lineups without OG. He's so essential. And I've said all along, he's the best center on the Raptors and to not have him, it's just been really, really dire. And again, there have been times where Baines has kind of figured things out and looks good for two, three games at a time. And is actually finishing around the rim and catching, you know, passes on the roll from, from Kyle Lowry and whatnot. But more often than not, he's just been utterly unplayable. And that's the reason why, you're hearing trade rumors flying around for the likes of Andre Drummond, a trade that feels entirely unrealistic based on the salary matching that have to go into it. It's just, you know, it's desperate times, man. And it's kind of become like a little fun thing on Raptors' internet. Every time the Raptors play a game against a team, it's just everyone's green with envy about the other team's center. It's like, oh, Naz Reed? He looks so good on this team. Oh, (laughs) Cody Zeller, please sign me up. Like, it's just, it's gotten embarrassing at this point. I can't wait to uh, have it happen tomorrow where it's like, man, imagine Bobby Portis on the Raptors. They would be the top of the East if they had him. It's just that one area of instability is kind of causing the rest of the picture to fall apart. And you're seeing it kind of play out in the fact that they look good for long stretches of games and then they can't close it because they can't get to their best lineups. And it's just uh, that they're falling apart as a result. And I mean, these two games. If they lose both of them, they'll fall to 12 and 17. I still won't be like sound the alarms, trade everybody away or anything like that. But it looks ugly for sure if you can't at least pick up one of these games against Milwaukee, which maybe they can. But it's uh, if if Baines is heavily involved, then it feels pretty unlikely because things are a train wreck whenever he's on the floor. I'm sorry to say to you about your countrymen.
1: Oh man, we, I'm sure, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm certain there must be some Australians that listen to lockdown On Bucks and they are all very, very upset. But hey, having said <laughs> that, we just had to sit through Joe Ingalls uh, hitting about 70,000 threes against the Bucks about three days ago. So listen, Australia have had their fix over the last few days. The Raptors though, it, it's really interesting because I look at this from the perspective of covering the Bucks and thinking about the top seeds who, yeah, we'll see what happens. Boston clearly have had some, Again, interruptions, whether it's injury, whether it's health and safety protocol, but certainly the top three teams right now appear to be sort of slowly trying to separate themselves, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. But then I look to the bottom and this Raptors team, I don't know where their ceiling is in terms of where they can climb to in the standings, but they still absolutely shape as a pretty terrifying first round matchup for any of those top seeds. In the East, but then you have to make the, the the decision as you sort of pointed to, Sean. Well, if you aren't actually going to be a team that's going to contend, are you going to make some moves uh, to look ahead to next season, perhaps? And we know the Raptors are always a team that are going to be competitive. I know we're supposed to have this rivalry between the Bucks and the Raptors, but in my <laughs> preseason predictions that I did. For NBA Australia, I had OG as my most improved player and Norman Powell as my sixth man of the year. So I was perhaps overly high on the Raptors coming into this season. The guy that I need to ask you about is Pascal Siakam and that might not be a surprise, but I, the way I've described Pascal and clearly we all know he had that absolutely scintillating start to the season last year. He was in the MVP calculations It feels since then, despite the fact he's obviously had some big moments, that everything is just so difficult for him. And when I watch him play the Bucs, and I've got the stats here over the last four games, so uh, post Kawhi, he's 23 for 61 from the field against the Bucs, 37%, only averaging 15 points per game. And particularly when he does play the Bucs, I feel that he is too passive in terms of if he's in full attack mode, he's a very difficult guy to stop. He's a very difficult guy not to foul. When he comes up against the Bucs, I don't see a guy that feels confident of taking the ball into the paint and trying to score with Giannis and Brooke Lopez around to the point where I've seen him have uh, the ball in his hands in transition possessions where it's basically one-on-one and he really should just go straight at the basket and try and score and he'll back it out and shoot a three. So my question overall with Pascal is where are the Raptors where is the Raptors nation on Pascal in terms of where they thought he was two years ago and where Mm. he is now and where the future lies in regards to him potentially being a number one guy.
0: Yeah. Look, I I think it's been accepted that he's not going to be like a number one guy in a championship team or anything like that. And that's entirely fine. You know, he's making Mm -hmm. the max. If he's the number two on a championship team, which he's essentially already been, you know, he was a two, three, whatever you want to order him and Kyle Lowry, I'd still put Kyle above, but still he was the number two scorer on a championship team. Not so far in the past. I think that's totally fine. And I think We've seen a lot of progress from this year, even since last they played the Bucks, which I think at that time he was kind of going through the groin injury that was kind of slowing him down a little bit in the middle part of this uh, early start of the season Uh, and until last night against the Wolves where he missed a bunny at the end to potentially tie it and he was like six of 19 had a bit of a rough night offensively finishing around the basket. He's been really freaking good for the last few weeks. And it's a mix of him kind of finding that aggressiveness you're talking about, sort of realizing when he has a matchup, he can kind of take and, you know, eat their lunch. But also I think kind of, not forcing the issue as much. And I think that was a big problem, particularly in that Boston series last year where, you know, he had Jalen Brown and Mark smart just in his business, the entire series. And he just kept going for it, which like, I guess it's noble to like continue doing it when you're losing and getting destroyed. But it was a problem for the Raptors offense because every possession was missing ending in like a, a missed sort of six foot push shot over Jalen Brown. And it wasn't giving them anything. And I think this year he's found a really good balance between knowing when to attack and when to play make. Um, and that's been a huge thing. His turnover rate's way down. His assist rate is way up. And he's kind of finding that balance and is realizing, okay, this team is sending two guys my way. This is going to be a passing night for me. Whereas, oh, this team has a guy I can I can do some work against. This is going to be a night where I score 30-plus. And, and I think he's kind of found that balance. The Bucks present an interesting matchup because Giannis is one of like the, I don't know, six to eight guys in the league who like, very clearly from history have kind of spooked Pascal a little bit. It's like Giannis, it's Jonathan Isaac when he's healthy, it's Bam, uh, it's Embiid, like, there's a very select few guys who just kind of neutralize everything Siakam does well. They're too freaking long to spin around and, you know, they just, they give him a lot of trouble, and I think, you know, I'm interested to see what's going to happen in this one with with Giannis, uh, in particular, guarding Pascal just because it's been a few weeks or almost a month, maybe more since they last played. What is time? I have no idea. Um, (laughs) And like I said, he was kind of going through the groin stuff and a bit of a slow start to the season when last they played. I really think that this time around is going to be a good tell of how far he's come in terms of that sort of, finding the balance between playmaking and kind of forcing the issue and uh, you know if he's passing off and he's you know not getting himself into trouble not walking into double teams or you know thickets of tree limbs between Giannis and Burke Lopez I think that's probably a good thing even though you'd like to see him go and score 30 every single night Um, but you know maybe he gets spooked maybe he forces it maybe he makes silly decisions because the specter of Giannis is looming that's going to be a fascinating part of this game Um, but overall I, I think you know most sane Raptors fans are are kind of content with where Siakam is and have been excited by a lot of the progression this season, even if it is sort of an understanding that, okay, you know, Pascal is this, they're going to need someone better to pair with him if they have designs on, you know, being real contenders during the time he's with the team over the next contract he's on. And that's totally fine. I, I think that's a totally acceptable place to be for a guy who was the twenty-seventh overall pick and already has a ring for you. Not everybody needs to be a top seven player in the world. Siakam's not gonna be that. Um, but you know, certainly you want to see some progress in the matchups like the ones against Giannis, which is again what people kind of, you know, hope he can be one day, which I think is a bit over <laughs> overestimating, a little overambitious and all that, but yeah, it's a fascinating one. I do want to note before we uh, maybe take a look at the game and the sort of individual matchups in addition to the Pascal Giannis one Kane, the fact that you put predicted good things for both Norm Powell and OG Ananobi is very funny to me uh, considering the trade that uh, landed both of those guys with Toronto Uh, (laughs) I just Mm -hmm. wanted to note that I couldn't let that go uh, unsaid shout out to Grievous Vasquez forever Um, (laughs) but anyway we're going to wrap up with Kane and talk about some interesting individual matchups in the Raptors and Bucks back to back on Tuesday and Thursday in just one second but first I want to tell you all about our friends over at betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, Greek basketball, all of those things are in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Reality TV is just like perfect for pandemic times. You should be watching it. It kills the time. It's beautiful. Real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Just head over to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON either on your mobile device or on your desktop and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit meaning if you put in 100 bucks you get 150 bucks into your account to play with bet online your online sports book experts Uh yeah, Kaden, for the game on Tuesday night, it looks like no OG, is Drew Holiday still going to be out? Is that the the latest? Yeah, Drew is yeah. out. Okay. So that's obviously a couple of big key components to what this matchup would be. Um is there a particular matchup for you that kind of stands out as like, oh, that's kind of interesting I want to keep my eye on that? Well, again, I'll be looking at the Raptors' guards
1: because I think right now with Drew Holiday out, the Bucs are most likely going to stick with DiVincenzo and uh, also Bryn Forbes starting, which is obviously... I mean, let's be honest, on paper, that's not the type of backcourt that you would typically uh, put next to a contender. Uh, Let's just say that. So, look, (laughs) the Bucs are just trying to stay above water right now without Drew Holiday. And and the one thing I'll say, the Bucs... Have always, or Bucks fans have always, over the last two years said, Well, Bud just has to play the stars more. I think, given the moves they made in the offseason, Bud's hand has kind of been forced, and they've discussed the fact that the starters are going to have to play more minutes. But what it does leave you is in a vulnerable position when you lose a star with Drew Holiday out. The Bucks are a little bit shorthanded than you would probably like them to be. So, I again, I'm wondering what the Bucks are going to do to slow down. Uh, Fred in particular, who, by the way, I was mm. watching that game the other week, was just absolutely ridiculous, and Bucks fans know all about what he can do. But yeah, how are the Bucs <laughs> going to stop the guards, honestly, and particularly behind the three-point line, because uh, defensively, that's where the issues have been. DJ Augustine has been, um, I don't know how to put this, disappointing. Let's just leave it at that for now, <laughs> but I, I'm a patient guy. It's early in the season, but that's where I'm looking at. What are the Bucs going to do to slow down the guards?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Kyle Lowry will be happy to not have Drew Holiday on I and mean, these are guys who yeah, historically yeah. kind of given them a lot of trouble uh, on both ends of the floor. So um, that's a, a feather in the Raptors cap, I suppose, if you're a Raptors fan hoping for a win. I'm also really fascinated by Chris Boucher in this game. Um, You know, he is so hot and cold. It's so back and forth with him. It's really, really bizarre. Uh, Maybe it's not bizarre. It's entirely matchup dependent. He's a dude who, if he's up against a guy who's twice his thickness, he's probably going to struggle. And so maybe it's not a mystery at all. I do really enjoy sort of the way the Bucks defend the Raptors though, because it does sort of lend itself to a big man who is okay to pop kind of going off. And if that happens, you could see maybe Chris Boucher swing this game. We saw, you know, Serge Ibaka so often was sort of the dude that the Bucks would funnel shots to and the nights where he would score 32 and, you know, banging a bunch of threes were often nights where the Raptors would either win or be in the conversation. Whereas, you know, if that sort of element of the offense falls short, then it might be a problem. And Boucher has really been a bellwether, I think, for the Raptors this season, you know, in the way that his sort of his his production off the bench kind of feeds into everything else and kind of allows margin for error in other places of the roster. Like, if he's playing a good game, you can afford a bit of an off night from Norm Powell, for example, or something like that. But if he's awful, you really need the main guys to be awesome. And you can't have any of them kind of faltering, I, I'm just. What's been the sort of? I, I know the Bucks have kind of changed their defense a little bit, and and you know they're trying some new things in here and there. Obviously, they like to play the drop system, which obviously can it lends itself well to bigs popping open for threes. Do you imagine it'll be kind of similar? Do you think Chris Boucher is going to have a ton of wide open threes from the top of the arc this time around, or do you think they might change things up considering you know he's been shooting so well this season, and uh, they again are not quite playing with the same rigidity as they used to.
1: Yeah, well, going back to the first game, I think it's worth pointing out because I know just following along Buck's Twitter, there was some frustration with Boucher knocking down some threes. But just to be clear, he is 43% on 3.5 attempts per game. I mean, this guy is shooting the ball really, really well. Uh, Both Boucher and Baines were getting open looks in that game. The Bucs have really gone away from the drop coverage. And it's not to say they don't do it. They do do it a lot still, but they are more inclined to switch on defense, particularly when Drew Holiday is out on the floor. And he's kind of initiated that and been very, very outspoken in the media, post-game, pre-game, after practice, saying, I want to switch. I want guys to leave me alone. I want them to let me defend in isolation. We know how terrific he is. But with that, we've seen some serious breakdowns, honestly, for a team that clearly just uh, is still trying to figure out what the hell they're supposed to be doing. The communication obviously has not been great. And overall, I think they fall back into their old habits. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I I don't think that the Bucs are going to be giving up threes. I think that they will be happy. If Aaron Baines is firing away from the outside, they'll be happy to let him go. But certainly, I would like to see that center whether it is Brook Lopez, whether it is Bobby Portis getting up closer to the perimeter on those screens. Because if not, as you mentioned, I mean, uh, we saw this the other night as well. Al Horford with the Thunder gave the Bucks serious problems and he's been a guy that's done it historically. And and obviously, as you mentioned, Gasol and Abaka. So we'll see what the Bucks do. I think that it is a little bit of a surprise for uh, opposition fans to watch the Bucks this year and notice that they maybe are still giving up a lot of threes, like every single other damn team in the whole league is. It's not necessarily the same way, and I don't know what's more concerning because you know I, I think it's it's always a comfort to at least have something that you're elite at defensively. Right now, the Bucks are all over the shop, but uh, let's just say it's always a good idea to expect lots of threes from big men that are coming up against the Bucks. So Boucher is certainly going to be a concern on the other end, as you pointed to. I'd like to see Giannis get some deep catches get physical with Boucher when he's out there. See if you can draw a couple of fouls and he should be able to overwhelm him uh, when he's not uh, the help side uh, rim protector, which we know obviously he can be pretty, uh, pretty attractive option as.
0: Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Boucher does not strike me as someone who can uh, match up with the honest physically even a little bit. So that could be troublesome. And that's where uh, you lose. OG. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. OG is so essential in this matchup. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Hopefully the injury report kind of turns around on us by the time, the game is played also should note that Pascal Siakam has been doing a lot more work as a screener lately too. And I'll be curious to see if maybe that's a way they kind of free him for some more looks that he doesn't typically find against the bucks, just getting those pick and pop threes. Um, there should be a fun one, man. I'm looking forward to it. The last time they played, it was, I think their Raptors lost by like 12, but it was a far closer game than I think the final scoreboard really suggested i think they kind of lost the plot in the last couple minutes they're right in it um you know and that was a game where fred van vliet shot two of 11 from three and aaron bain shot one of seven and yet still the raptors shot 22 of 55 from three in the game the nba is dumb uh basketball is broken in a some small way i think but either way man this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this game. I guess two games. Uh, I think far more important for the Raptors standing wise than the Bucks, but uh, it should be a good one. Where should people check out you and your podcast?
1: Well, locked on Bucks. Obviously, those that listen to Locked On Raptors know where you can find that on all your podcast platforms. And myself, if you want to hear me ramble on, uh, there's some there's some cross tennis content right now as well. It's unbelievable. The Australian Open is on, but you can get me on Twitter at Kane Pittman
0: outstanding man you can find me at woodley sean of course locked on raptors on your favorite podcast providers and all that good stuff we got all the locked on stuff going to locked on nba i'm sure this game will be a topic that they cover on the tuesday edition of locked on nba or the wednesday edition i don't know when they record those things they're (laughs) machines but either way uh kane this was great man thanks so much
1: always love catching up with you man